0: Note from my 21-year-old self.
1: Now, like many of our favourite actors, today's letter writer once brought her incredible talent for creating believable characters to the fast-paced world of advertising. Yeah, hi. I've got a delivery of calories for you.
0: What? Where's that from?
1: Uh, In that snack you're eating.
0: What? No, I thought it was light. Sorry. What about Kate?
1: Unless they diet, No, nothing here.
0: Can I at least choose where the calories go?
1: Sorry. It says here it's going straight to your thighs. That's <laughs> Helpman Award-winning actor and star of ABC TV's Laid. Alison Bell, hello. Hello.
0: One of my finest roles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That ad was... So, it's had such a cut through that line. It's going straight to your thighs. My (laughs) husband and I would always say that to each other. He'd be like, can I eat this? And I'd be like, no, it's going to go straight to your thighs. Oh, God. (laughs) Which which, which actually says a lot about your acting ability because it's, it's not like you're on stage for a long time or in a movie. It's a really short, sparky couple of minutes, that ad. Yeah. But you still managed to tell a story. You still managed to create this character that we
0: that we connected to. How do you do that? Oh, well, that's nice to hear, first of all. Um, look, I think the starting point is always the writing, always. And we just had a, a, a very, you know, smart, funny advertising writer on that piece, which was terrific. Um, but, you know, whether it's a, a piece of theatre or, or television, Uh, which are the two things I tend to do, um, it all comes back to the words that you have to work from. And if it's not there on the page, it's a very difficult task, creating a relatable character. Um, So I, you know, take my hat off to writers and now that I am moving in that direction myself, (laughs) I have a lot more respect for them because it's hard.
1: (laughs) So you're moving more into writing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, before we get to that, I mean, don't you think a lot of it, though, also is to do with comic timing? Because there's incredible actors out there, but they can't always they can't always move into the comic area.
0: Yeah, look, I I, I do tend to agree. I think it's a it's, it's a particular skill, um, comedy. I've, I've I've been starting to I've started to kind of work on some theories. I've, I was looking at the rehearsal room that I'm in right now, and everyone's musical in the room, and so I'm I'm starting to develop this theory that perhaps if you ha- if you're exposed to a lot of music as a child or if you're, you you have um, an inclination toward music, um, you understand rhythm, uh, then then you've got a better chance of having comic timing. I think yeah. because it is about rhythms and. And that's, you know, reading Eddie's words, I know we'll get to that, but at the moment I'm working on Eddie Perfect Show and, and Eddie is a consummate musician and singer and you know, all those he things. Is, yeah. And he's He's a bit of a triple threat, isn't he? Yeah, there's a lot of threats there. A lot <laughs> of threats. Um, but the rhythms in his writing are sublime. And it's it's what make it's what makes it sing really, I think, as a comedy.
1: Uh, you mentioned you're moving into writing um
0: is that something that you want to take up eventually as a full term thing? I don't think I'd ever hang up my acting boots um but certainly it's it's been a it's been a slow burn um but it's been something i've I have been doing for a number of years, and I just had a show as part of the comedy showroom on the a b c so that was my first. Um, piece, you played a mum, didn't you? I that. played a mum, mm-hmm. and I co-wrote that piece. So that was my first piece of writing that that was made into a show, which was very exciting. So, yeah, I I loved that experience, and you know, my my passion or my my impetus to write has come from not only my interest in storytelling. I love I love other people's stories, and I I I want to write them down, um, but also because i would like to be part of the solution to changing how women are um projected or are uh, you know are, are presented on on screen um and stage and not it's not so as much a problem on stage i don't think we get to play lots of complex characters but on the screen there is still there's still a bit of a, a lag i think in terms of the complexity of female characters
1: so what sort of changes would you like to see
0: I would like to see more women who are whose lives are explored not only in relation to men. Um I would like to see stories about women that aren't just romantic. I would like to see stories about women where the woman is not just a domestic figure, the mother, the wife. Um and very much kind of a two-dimensional wife or mother. Um I just I just would like to see women portrayed as in as complex and as varied a fashion as men are. That that is my dream for the smoke <laughs> to laugh. No. no. <laughs> well it shouldn't be. Like that seems like a ridiculous thing to say, you know? <laughs> but um that we that we be portrayed as you know, as complex human beings, just like all the male protagonists are. Um warts
1: warts and all and we're not you know we're not perfect yeah yeah I mean one of your characters that um stood out for me was your character in Laid um it was just such an extraordinary role I just loved how everyone that you slept with died (laughs) (laughs) it was so dark it was um but at the same time so humorous I looked forward to who you were going to kill the next (laughs) week (laughs) that's great (laughs) Is, I mean, when, when you're given a role like that, when you see it on paper for the first time, are you thinking, like, what are you thinking? How do you even
0: prepare for a role like that? I don't know what it says about me, but when I read that, the pilot, I think it was, or, or Ep 1 of Lade, I had an instant connection. <laughs> I, I kind of, there was something about... Uh, Marie Hardy and Kirsty Fisher's writing that that really connected with me. I think it was it was a lot to do with the female friendship they wrote. Um, at that point, when that was was filmed and aired, there weren't a lot of those kind of female relationships on the screen. I really loved the dynamic. I loved how tired and world-weary the friendship was and yet how deep it was and that, that reminded me a lot of my own friendships. I also liked the comic tone. Uh, there was something about their rhythms that, that I connected with and um, it might have been the films that I grew up watching or I don't know what it was. Maybe we shared that common history, um, myself and the writers. But I, I just felt like I I understood Rue, the character, or I, I understood um, her comedy or something. I understood that clown. So I was real, you know, extremely excited when I read this role because it was unique and it was exciting and I, you know, I felt like, wow, maybe this is one I could play.
1: <laughs> you felt at home. Yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> On ABC Local Radio, this is the Sunday Sesh. I'm Sad Amish and I'm talking to Alison Bell, star of ABC TV's Laid and soon to appear in The Beast in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane. That's Eddie Perfect's show. Now, we're going to hear a letter from your 21-year-old self, but before we get there, let's talk about The Beast. Now, I've actually seen this theatre production and it's one of those shows that actually has stayed with me because uh, it was so confronting yet so clever and so humorous at the same time a bit like late, late really um mm. because it deals with a difficult topic but in such a engaging humorous way there's mm. there's these lines that I still quote I can't repeat them on radio of course <laughs> <laughs> um in being in in a production like that, I mean, you're all there with Eddie Perfect, Toby Truslove, or those sorts of Very actors. Funny people. Um,
0: talk me through the process of um, working with the story, like the Beast. Well, the Beast is about a group of of people who move to the country and endeavor to live uh, a sustainable life, an ethical life, um, whatever that means. And and it's it is a satire. Um, Eddie's it got a very clear target in mind, I think, when he's writing this. A hypocrisy, really. Um, Hipsters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perhaps. Um, but not limited to. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, he, Eddie is an extremely clever man. He's a very funny man. Uh, it has a lot of darkness. It's, It's got a lot of taboo in it. Um no one is safe, you know. My character, actually, the character I play, is he's probably the straight man and the most knowing and the most um, cynical of these people's motivations. But uh, she doesn't share their philosophy, really. But um, but at the same time, she's not, oh, you know, an entirely good human. He, so that's good. That's good. That's good. This kind of has a go at everyone, um, which is fun, um, which is so realistic because we're all flawed. We are. No one's perfect. Indeed. And Eddie tells us so again in this, (laughs) in a very funny manner. Um, But working in a room with those people is outrageous, to be honest. I have not laughed in a rehearsal room this much in my career, I don't think. I'm exhausted. I'm utterly (laughs) exhausted from the sheer comedy of the folk around me every day. So everyone
1: goes into rehearsals with sore ribs. Yeah. (laughs)
0: I actually came home from my first week of rehearsals with headaches, laughing headaches, because it's led by Simon Phillips. And if you've ever spoken met Simon Phillips, who's one of our great directors. Um, he used to he, be at the MTC, he he correct? Did, yeah. Yes, mm. yes. He was the artistic director for, there for a long time. Um, he's a very funny, very naughty human being. And he takes great delight in um, in ridiculing all of us all day uh, with with, with, with um, with great heart, of course. And um, so we just laugh. We laugh all day. You know, the combination the combination of Eddie Perfect's words with that, with the team of actors that I get to spend every day with and Simon at the helm makes for a very fun ride. It
1: must be such a privilege going to work every day and just having a good time. It is.
0: It really is. Because it's not always like that. I just spoke about diplomacy earlier. But i <laughs> Tell you this much: (laughs) it's sometimes tough going, and you know, like like a lot of creative endeavours, you know, you you they're not they're not it's not smooth sailing when you when you're doing something creative. You're going to hit some walls, and it's going to be tough. And you know, um, and some projects are really tough because of a combination of personalities, or because just because the material is really challenging. But then you get these dream rides where you just go to work and laugh and hope. Just cross, I'm just crossing my fingers that. We've done enough work in between the laughing <laughs> to make the show okay. But if we're laughing, I'm hoping that means the audience will be laughing later as well.
1: <laughs> I'm sure that it's uh, contagious. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yes. Hey, Alison, let's get to your letter. I can't wait to hear it. Goodness me. Okay.
0: Dear 21-year-old self, this is a curious task. I'm writing to tell you a few things about your life, but they'll be few and in no particular order – and they'll be composed with less polish and eloquence than you'd hoped, for a number of reasons. Mainly because I'm fine with the steep learning curve, the mistakes and happy accidents, and perhaps we should keep them to ourselves. But also, just quietly, a little bit, because you find yourself at 38 juggling several jobs at once, rehearsals, writing deadlines, and your toddler will start waking through the night again. But that's all great. So everything you do will be done lightning fast, usually at the 11th hour, when your brain reminds you of your deadline. You love a deadline. Adrenaline kickstarts your creativity. So that habit that you're in right now of writing essays through the night, driving like a mad woman to uni to hand them in just as the clock ticks over to 4pm on the due date, that habit will stay with you. Maybe start this letter now, 21 year old self, and by the time you're asked to read it on the ABC, it might not be dreadful. You'll learn the benefits of redrafting again and again. You're in Ireland presently. How about that? Listen to the accents. They're great, aren't they? Enjoy your year. You will, but keep your eyes and ears open. Don't forget where you are. You're not home, you're in another country. The country whose history you loved learning about at uni. Don't stop reading the plaques, because you will, nor asking the locals their stories. Don't be shy, they love a chat. Yes, as you age, you become more like your dad and Clark Griswold from the vacation movies. But stories are everything. They'll become your life. Bring them home with you and hold on to them. Though they're vivid now, they will fade, poor ageing brain. So turn your mind to the people and places you encounter here. And wherever you travel, whenever you can. Because you'll travel a lot, you lucky bugger. You're in Ireland because you're taking time out to make a big decision. I have no advice to give you on this, really. Maybe you should do honours in history and quit the law. Maybe you should finish law and just work as a lawyer. I'm quite interested in how those lives would turn out, parallel universe styles. But if you just follow the path that's currently in your heart, you'll be fine. Go home, finish your degree. Do the learning. Do as much learning as you can because it's such a gift to have time to listen to exceptional people challenge and teach and stimulate with their knowledge, their insights. And don't worry about your enormous hex debt. You'll hopefully earn enough to pay it off before you die. And when you do head into the arts, you'll find your place. You'll have to work very hard. But you'll find your place and it will be quite the ride with some exceptional folk. Just on that, don't give too much of yourself to your art. Dramatic though this sounds, it will ask for your soul time and time again. Save enough for you and your loved ones. Actually, do more comedy if you can. It steals less from you. And here's something. Laughter is a great gift to give an audience, I think. You love laughing. You know that. Laughter is just as valuable as introspection and empathy. And don't worry so much about what you look like. Step far, far away from those who try to convince you that your value as an artist is directly linked to your looks. It's really not. (laughs) And the more steadfast you hold to that truth, the freer you'll be. This is a confidence game. Try not to let people mess with that too much, nor for too long. Hold on to the lessons learned through your high school years. Not the facts and figures, Though, jeez, it would be nice if you could lock them into your long-term memory. You'll get to your late 30s and lament how very general your general knowledge has become. But no matter, Google will save you. I'm referring to the big one, that your gender is a barrier to nothing. Thank you, all girls, St Clair's College. Know that your male counterparts will step up first. Perhaps assume an authority that they've not earned. Don't get cross. Commend their self-belief and step up with them. Hold fast to the confidence of your school days, your assumption that the world values men and women equally. It doesn't. But it will if you and all the brilliant women you know accept nothing less. Stay positive. Be bold and work hard to be part of the solution. Oh, and here's something you'll take a while to learn. No one knows what they're doing. So you needn't wait for elusive knowledge. Just have a crack. You only start to know by doing. Yes, I'm talking specifically about writing. Write. Whatever the outcome, you'll love the process. More broadly, take on this little gem. Do it now. Not just the writing. This is a general piece of advice. Apply it to everything you can. You're a procrastinator. A hesitator you know that. If you can, try to change that pattern earlier. If you don't manage it, worry not, having a baby will bring those words into stark relief. Oh, parenthood. Be kind. Dear God, be kind to your parents, because you know what? You've got really good ones. Try to remember to acknowledge their selflessness, their care, their extraordinary generosity. You may forget You may only realise how good you had it once you have a kid. And you will have a kid, at least one. So relax, I guess. You'll realise and thank them, and your respect for women and childbirth and parenting will grow exponentially. Parenting, at least the early part of it, will provide one hell of a ride. It's more demanding than any paid work you'll ever have, and possibly, hopefully, more rewarding. It will test you and stretch you and bring you to your knees like no character or writing gig can. But that's a good thing. It will motivate you in ways you didn't expect. You'll become strangely efficient, organised. You'll become a doer. High fives to that. And you'll get a good one. A smiley, friendly one. What a treat. Now, don't worry about missing out on tickets to Cloud Street at the Dublin Festival this year. Yes, it's one of the greatest productions Australia will produce in your lifetime, but you'll see it back in Sydney, and you'll end up having a baby with the actor playing the baby in the show. Yes, yes you will, but you won't really remember him in his nappy costume. What you'll remember is yet another moment when theatre, when glorious storytelling, when art changed you, elevated you, did all the things it should do. Oh, and the guy in the nappy will turn out to be not only a great actor but a truly brilliant human. So that's a win. That'll do, I think. Good luck. You'll need a bit of that. Now go about your living. P.S. Though you're not a betting woman, put whatever cash you have on Cathy Freeman winning gold at the 2000 Sydney Olympics. You'll win. Wow. I feel like
1: clapping. <laughs> you needn't. <laughs> you, really you really, needn't. You really gave this a lot of thought. Oh, I? <laughs> a- and I felt like... Sometimes it was me writing the fact that you're a procrastinator, you leave <laughs> deadlines to the last minute. It's like, wow, she's just connecting with me.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not the only one.
1: <laughs> uh, there is something I picked up on. You, you said don't give too much of your soul to the art. Yeah.
0: Have you Have you stuck to that advice? Not really. Um, <laughs> no, look, I found in my career um, – I suppose listeners might know me best from from Laid and assume that I do a lot of comedy, but I don't, actually. And I I do a lot of pretty heavy tragedies. Most of my stage work, um, yeah, is very dramatic and quite often quite dark. And I find myself living these lives, these stories, these incidents over and over again, you know, for long seasons. And that does take a toll. It's not spoken about much, but it does take a toll. I have again many theories on now that we know a lot more about the brain about what what we actors do to our brain by kind of cementing those pathways those 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 responses um that we that we take on or we we um inhabit when we're playing other characters in horrific stories
1: I suppose if you're crying on stage every night that
0: can't be good for you Yeah no I don't think it is <laughs> and yet I do it a lot <laughs> So it's you know I do I do I don't mean don't do it when I say that. I think I mean I think I what what I mean is really look after yourself. You know, and um and I I am not I'm not as wild as as some actors are. You know, some actors live extraordinary lives of um of of fun, but I'm a fairly disciplined um sensible human. So I, I go home after a show and I, I rest and do all that kind of stuff. But um, I've, not, I've never been one to go out drinking a lot. And, and a lot of people use alcohol, you know, just to get serious for a sec. A lot of people use alcohol to to get out of that mode.
1: To cope. Yeah, to cope. Yeah.
0: And there's been a lot of studies about um, actors' mental health, really. Well, not a lot of studies. There's been a recent one that our union uh, kind of participated in uh which was was fairly um awful to read actually the results um so I do think that needs to be focused on more the the you know the consequences of telling these marvelous stories but um I think we all need to take responsibility and by we, I mean the theater companies the the filmmakers the producers need to take responsibility for what that does to the people playing the roles and um and, yeah, and we just need to look after ourselves.
1: Well, I, I hope you continue to and I <laughs> would love to see more of your work on stage and, and, and maybe um, more comedy. Yes, more comedy for <laughs> Bill. Yes, thanks. Thank you, Alison. It's, it's been so lovely hearing from your 21-year-old self and discussing your work.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: That's Alison Bell, and she'll be joining a stellar cast for The Beast, including Toby Truslove and the play's author, of course, Mr. Perfect, Eddie Perfect. It starts in Sydney at the end of July before moving on to Melbourne at the end of August and then Brisbane in September.